This is episode 408 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Should You First Prep for Doomsday or for Emergencies? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook and audiobook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information, click on the link in the show notes or come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. All right, I got to tell you, in getting ready for this article and this podcast, I was thinking about a dream I had last night. Uh, you know, last night our power went off, on and off. It flickered on and off. And uh, my son was up late and he said that it happened multiple times. I only, you know, realized that it happened once. And I woke up and it was like around 1.40 in the morning and I saw that uh, my alarm clock was flashing. And so that was concerned to me because I want to make sure that I get up at the time that I need to get up. So I went ahead and fixed all that kind of stuff and make sure that it was right. And then wound up, uh, it happened again. And so it flickered off one more time and fixed it again. But uh, in all of that, I guess I was, you know, having a dream about uh, power going out and all of that kind of stuff and and uh, what would happen if that would happen and uh, how I would respond and all of those kinds of things and my family and where they're at and where they're located and how we would, you know, all that kind of stuff, how, how all of that would play out, right? And so it was just this dream that seemed to, I don't know, maybe I've been reading too many apocalyptic articles or whatever, I don't know. So uh, it's been rare. Uh, it's been a long time since I've had one of those one of those types of dreams. Nevertheless, I know that it happens, and I know that uh, some of you might have dreams like this every once in a while, and they can get kind of freaky and crazy, and it makes you think about your preps, like, hey, should I be prepping for this? And I love this article. It comes to us from ModernSurvivalOnline.com, and it's entitled, Should You First Prep for Doomsday or for Emergencies? And I really like the idea of this article and where it kind of takes you. Because it's really easy to let those big things kind of freak you out. And this article really puts things in perspective. So whether you are new to preparedness or maybe you've been prepping for a while, but still, you know, you uh, are conflicted sometimes over the different types of uh, disasters that are out there. I'm hoping that this article will help you out. And so again, like I said, it comes to us from ModernSurvivalOnline.com. Should you first prep for doomsday or for emergencies? Every person who is taking steps to improve their chances of survival in a crisis event usually starts with a specific vision of exactly what kind they are trying to defend against. Closer to the event end of the scale, this will be things like serious rioting, a tornado, a car crash in a remote area, or total blackout. At the other end of the scale, we have regional, national, or even global catastrophes such as a major pandemic, supervolcano eruption, complete collapse of society, or more exotic events like a gamma ray burst, major nuclear exchange, or massive asteroid impact. 
As someone who is serious about keeping yourself and your family safe, which set of occurrences is most worth our limited time and resources to defend against? Is it possible to prepare for both? Should I even waste my time preparing for an event so apocalyptic that it will in all likelihood result in the scouring of all life from the earth, or even the physical destruction of our lone blue planet? The answer is, frankly, yes and no. With a dash of common sense, realistic expectations, and a clear vision of what you are actually trying to accomplish, you can be ready for anything. All of the following content in this article is my opinion. It is not the way to assess and analyze threats, only a way. Others may perceive various threats as more or less serious and plan accordingly. The basis of the information is from my own decision-making process and hierarchy of needs. I offer it freely in the hopes that it will help clear some myth, confusion, and outright bunk away from the subject of general preparation or disaster readiness, if you prefer. It is my opinion that an individual, small party, or large group can effectively prepare for even regional catastrophes and improve their chances of survival, no doubt about it. Where I urge people to ground themselves is the simple fact that any regional, national, or global catastrophe worthy of the name will by nature spell death for a significant, even enormous percentage of the population affected by it no matter what you have managed to put in place. Tragic and unfair, but probably true. Of course, with enough time to prepare, enough money, enough influence, and access to enough resources, one can survive anything short of a planet-shattering kaboom, if only for a time. A bunker far below the Earth's crust, equipped with a nuclear reactor or geothermal power plant, fully-fledged arcology, and enough supplies to last hundreds of people for decades of even reckless consumption is technically possible and may already exist somewhere. Chances are you aren't one of the people who will be able to access it or fund the construction of your own. You must get comfortable with, or at least accept the idea, that if one of these mega disasters touches off near you with little or no warning, you will likely perish no matter what you have done. If you are on the fringe of such a disaster or outside its immediate area of effect, that is when your preps will likely make the difference. On the other hand, small localized incidents, accidents, and natural disasters, while not always offering much more than their apocalyptic cousins in the way of warning, are significantly more survivable if you are not killed outright. Common, even daily crises and disasters like muggings, murders, blackouts, floods, industrial accidents, motor vehicle crashes, heat stroke, earthquakes, gas leaks, dog bites, snake bites, serious illness, major chemical spills, trips, falls, choking, and rioting are statistically far more likely to claim life or limb or mandate speedy evacuation than any world or society-ending event. Start taking stock of what you can actually start preparing for and making a difference about. Start analyzing threats based on their probability and severity. Using just these two metrics, you can start ranking various threats on an index and spending your time and money wisely to get the most bang for your survival buck. 
Probability is the simple likelihood that a disaster will occur based on available data. Severity is my generic compound metric for how badly the event will affect life, both its likely death toll and destabilization of society. You'll need to use your head and reason out a few things based on specifics. For instance, and to clarify, a very high probability but very low severity event would be something like a car wreck. They certainly occur almost constantly in the U.S., and almost everyone knows someone whose life was changed for the worse by a wreck. Car wrecks can claim a life in a blink. Thousands of pounds of steel deforming and crumpling at high speeds will make a mockery of the human bodies within, maiming and killing with shocking ease. But no car wreck causes society to fold up and collapse. For everyone except the people immediately affected by it, life is unchanged. Hospitals and grocery stores stay open. The power does not go out. Mobs will not turn up in the city square. The other point is that they are low severity because you can do much to influence the outcome and your chances in the aftermath. Performance driving school, first aid and trauma training, and vehicle carried first aid kits are all examples of countermeasures that are effective at preventing or ameliorating harm from car crashes. Now, compare something like a large asteroid or comet strike. Vanishingly low probability, but dreadfully high severity, being regional to global in effect. If one of these strikes a population center or near it, there will be untold deaths from the blast alone, which will be measured in tens of megatons and obliterate that area at ground zero. The end and tough luck. Follow on effects from debris in the atmosphere, fire, resulting loss of electricity, and major medical services will result in many deaths by themselves. Climate changes will likely follow, an impact winter affecting parts of or the entire globe. That is just the highlight reel. So how could one possibly truly prepare for that? Without devolving into an argument, it is my opinion that you really can't. Sure, you'll survive the impact itself if you are on the other side of the continent or globe, but a large enough specimen giving our planet the hard goodbye will almost certainly eliminate most forms of life on Earth from secondary and tertiary effects. What you should be preparing for is anything that is life-threatening and likely to occur, doubly so for anything that is both likely and severe. Also note that while there are differences between everyday mishaps or emergencies like car crashes, snake bites, and blackouts, and real proper disasters like hurricanes, wildfires, and chemical spills, you prepare for both in the same way. Magnitude is the only difference. Even natural or man-made disasters are a far cry from real catastrophes like major meteor impacts, supervolcano eruptions, and nuclear strikes. Where you must retain yourself is in focusing on the big, scary, largely unsurvivable events at the exclusion of the far more likely daily disasters that will still kill or maim you. It is the unanticipated event that is often the most unforgiving. To make sure we are all on the same sheet of music when it comes to assessing various disasters, accidents, and instances, here is my short list of common and not so common ones with corresponding probability and severity ratings with other situational notes that would influence my decision to prepare for them. 
Again, anything with a high probability merits immediate attention compared to one less likely. Note, this list is not comprehensive by any stretch of the imagination. These examples are just to get you thinking the right way about various disasters and situations that you may have to face. Okay, so there's a couple of scenarios here. There is the scenario, then the probability, the severity, and then there's notes attached to each one of these. The notes aren't necessarily in complete sentences, so just want to let you know that uh, as I'm reading those, I'll try to make them as smooth as possible. The first one is house fire. The probability is high. The severity is low. Over 300,000 residential fires in the U.S. every year. Small accidental fires can be stopped with a fire extinguisher before they grow. Deaths from larger fires can be prevented with family safety plan and practice. Minimal expenditure of time and resources can greatly reduce the risk of, risk of loss or death from house fire. The next one is tornado. The probability is low to high depending on location. The severity is low to moderate localized depending on storm affected area. Maybe significant seasonal threat depending on area of country lived in. Damage to buildings and social infrastructure may be light to devastating. Tornadoes may spawn with little warning but storm systems that produce them are almost always detectable early. Prioritize hardening of basement or installing subterranean shelter. ID shelter points along a commute route. Secure provisions for providing shelter and survival in an aftermath of serious destruction. The next one is chemical spill. The probability is moderate to high depending on locale and workplace. The severity is low to moderate depending on specifics. Note, threat level varies depending on location. Areas with many chemical plants or refineries are at significantly greater risk, as are any places where chemical car-laden trains move through, trains derail. Spilled chemicals can pose direct threat to life depending on nature of agent. Contamination of water supplies is a major threat. Fires are common alongside accidents of this type and may create windborne threats. Speedy evacuations may be required in all instances. Investigate efficacy of gas mask, respirator protective equipment, and have multiple pre-planned evacuation routes to flee affected areas. The next one is a nuclear exchange. The probability is low. The severity is very high to extreme. So today the likelihood of a nuclear war between major powers is low, but the results of such an event will at the very least result in immense nationwide death and destruction. Society will never be the same and follow on effects from radiation exposure, famine and loss, or rationing of crucial services will result in countless deaths more. Short-term survival prospects in immediate aftermath of strike may be good if far from ground zero, but special preparation must be taken with training and equipment to withstand and minimize radiation exposure. Escaping population centers prior to or after strikes will be paramount, may result in effective end to all life on Earth. All right, the last one is an artificial intelligence takeover. All right, so the probability is low, we hope. Severity is moderate to extreme. In the event that a truly autonomous electronic superintelligence is created, we have little idea what it might do or be capable of. 
An AI could very well devise countermeasures against what humans or other competing intelligences could do to stop it in such short time frames that it is virtually invincible. Its near-term probability modeling may be accurate enough to enable it to virtually predict the future. Its reaction to humanity, if hostile, could take the form of seizing and subverting or locking down all electronic networks and anything connected to them, including power grids, banking, and information infrastructure, remote or autonomous weapons, and more. The far-reaching consequences of such an event are impossible to calculate. Aside from general provision and withdrawal from major population centers, one may only speculate at how to defend against this occurrence. Based on our list above, the first three mundane but more likely threats require significantly less effort and investment of resources to prepare for than the last apocalyptic two. They may not be exciting, but they will surely kill you if you treat them lightly and kill the people you care about. Considering how unlikely the last two are, especially a rogue AI turning against humanity, is it a waste of our time and effort to prepare for that specific threat? Not necessarily, but you may be overlooking critical, basic life-saving skills in your quest to survive after the end. A common counter-argument from preppers who are attempting to plan and protect against a true catastrophe is that, by their logic, if you are able to survive the end of the world as we know it, you are able to survive countless lesser disasters and crises. This is probably true when considering equipment and provisions, but not skills. My biggest criticism that I level against folks getting ready for the big one is they often develop a fanatical, slavish devotion to amassing stuff while neglecting skills training for another day that never comes. There will always be more bullets, beans, bandages, gas masks, backpacks, radios, and so forth to buy, and the search for the perfect location for their subterranean bunker is endless. Meanwhile, they don't know how to perform CPR, apply a tourniquet to stop an extremity bleed, competently use a gun, or navigate with just a map and compass. This, to me, is the classic folly of missing the forest for the trees. If you are neglecting fundamental skills and preps, you are wrong. Things like first aid and basic trauma care training, self-defense training with weapons or fists, stocking fire extinguishers at home and in vehicles, and storing a supply of basic provisions, medicine, food, and water to sustain yourself and family or group for 30 days. They are all called fundamentals for good reason. Everything else grows and expands from this core. Your most basic preps and provisioning, like a seven-day water supply for your family, basic means of self-defense, and extra prescription meds in case of shortage, protect against dehydration, human threat and illness, or disease, respectively, no matter what instigates it. It may be a simple blackout from a week-long blizzard or an EMP. A tourniquet and the skills to apply it will help you prevent death from an extremity bleed if the cause is a gunshot or an industrial accident. When you take basic preparations from one kind of crisis, you are actually preparing for many others as well. From these humble beginnings, you are able to, and indeed should, increase your skills and knowledge as well as your material preparation. A 90-day supply of food, perhaps a rain catchment system, generator, backup guns and other weapons, advanced medical training, and supplementary medicines. Now start looking big picture. 
What is the most likely major threat for your area and what specialized preps do you need to protect against it? Is it a large active or semi-active volcano? Do you live in an area prone to disastrous flooding? If living in or near a major military installation or urban area is a terror attack or nuclear strike more likely than average, should you look into discreetly acquiring a secondary dwelling you can retreat to? You will not outgrow the fundamentals, but you can outrun your headlights in a rush to prepare for the apocalypse. Answer yourself honestly if you could save the day in these everyday emergencies. A relative choking on food, your child bleeding badly from their arm after being severely cut by broken glass, a mugger accosting you and a friend after you leave a late night movie screening, a tire needs changing or belt needs replacing on your vehicle when it breaks down far from home with no cell reception. You must keep warm outside in freezing cold and austere conditions and your home is in the path of an EF4 tornado. They are only a tiny sampling of survival skills, but if you answered no to several of these, chances are you need to get back to focusing on the basics before you are sorely tested for real. Major catastrophes and apocalyptic scenarios are survivable and we must be prepared for them, but not at the expense of learning the basic skills and acquiring simple equipment that is far more likely to be needed in our lifetimes. Common disasters are not exciting or mysterious, but they are deadly and something as simple as a flood or a hurricane can quickly end day-to-day life as you know it and require a high degree of both skill and preparations to survive. Make sure you are planning for the likely while you prepare for the big one. So do you agree with this author's premise? What is the most likely threat you face in your area? Which major catastrophe do you think is most likely to affect the nation or the world? Let's discuss in the comments. All right, guys, I think this is a great article. And like I said, it is one that puts you back on track. Like if you've been getting off, you know, one of the things that I always say is when I first got into preparedness, I read a couple of EMP books back to back. I, uh, I read uh, One Second After and then I read Lights Out. And then it was kind of like, oh my gosh, I was in a daze, right? Listening or reading all of these things. And so uh, it, it got me focusing on the wrong things. And I'll admit that. And so that's one time where you need to be very careful when you're reading those apocalyptic or fictional prepper books. Um, I love them. I, you know, I have good friends that, that write those. I listen to them on audiobooks and stuff like that. But you got to be careful because they, that is fiction. Although sometimes there are some scenarios in there that really seem, man, this seems like it could be real. Or it seems like uh, the news cycle, it, it just seems like this is kind of stirring this up. But you got to keep things in perspective, right? You got to make sure that the things that you are prepping for are the things that are more likely. You want to be prepared for a job loss. You want to make sure that you are prepared for, you know, the lights go out for 24 hours or whatever, you know. If if for whatever reason the lights went out last night like they did and they stayed off, you want to be able to get ready for work, you know, in the in the dark. You want to have light so that you can do that, so that you can go to work. And then when you come back home, the lights are back on or whatever, you know. And so you want to have those types of supplies, those type of, of skills. 
you know, when hurricane, the hurricane is coming, you want to make sure that you're not like all the other people that are running to the store trying to get batteries and food and, and, and winding up with nothing, right? So all those things are the, the more likely things to that you need to prep for. You, you know, that is the right move to make for you, especially if you're starting out or even if you are, you've been prepping for a while and you've kind of lost your way a little bit is to get back on, on focus to what are the more likely reasons why you need to prep, you know, in your area. So yeah, job loss, all that kind of stuff. But then what are the disasters, the the more likely disasters? I always say down here in Houston, I am not going to be preparing for a blizzard. Uh, You guys up north, you're not going to be preparing for extreme heat. Although there are times where you know, it, it does get really hot up there. And for those of you that don't have central air and heat, it can be bothersome and uncomfortable, but it is not life, you know, it's not dangerous unless you're elderly and you're not taking care of yourself and all that kind of stuff. But regardless, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not going to be preparing for a blizzard. If you're not in, you know, if you're in the middle of uh, the country, you're not going to be be preparing for a hurricane, right? Um, You might be preparing for, uh, you know, mudslides, floods from rain and different things like that. But, you know, it all depends on your area and what you need to prepare for for your area and what kind of catastrophes uh, are possible. So I think it's a great article. There are some links here. And definitely, if you have any comments, feel free to come on over to uh, modernsurvivalonline.com and leave your comments here in this article. I'm going to link to it. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can easily come on over and, uh, and visit this article. Guys, I do appreciate it when you do visit these articles and you let them know that you did come from Prepper Website. Because that just lets them know that um, you know there is people that are out there that appreciate the work that they are doing. I know a lot of you. I hear a lot of you from a lot of you about the podcast. But you know, I couldn't do this podcast if it wasn't for the great articles and the great websites that are out there putting out this content. So from time to time, if you uh, you know you listen to a really great article and it like really got you thinking, if you'd link to it and just go like, hey, I just appreciate you know I heard heard this article over on the, the Prepper website podcast, and uh, you know I just I think it was a great information or whatever something along those lines would be just a great blessing to, I know, to the website owner. And uh, it would be a, just a great blessing to me knowing that they are they are reaping the benefits of being read on this podcast. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 408 and another week of podcast episodes in the books. Hey, if you are new to the Prepper Website Podcast and you are not subscribed, come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. We have a ton of ways for you to subscribe there on the website, and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.